You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Well, hey, we are in a series right now on our values as a church, and uh, it's called This Is Us. And it's all about today is actually week eight of that series. And today the topic is joy is our choice. Joy is our choice. And um, you can actually turn to Philippians 4. That's where we're going to spend a lot of our time today. But before we jump into the word, I wanted to take a moment just to honor Pastor Brian and Heather. And um, when I was praying about this, I wanted to honor you guys, not from... Um, where a lot of people that come on this stage can honor them from, which is from a distance, but actually to honor you as someone who lives life with you up close. And um, I've had the privilege of knowing them for over 13 years now, which is crazy. Um, We were 12 when we met. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No. Uh, But I met them when I was in college and um, have gotten to do life and ministry with them for for most of that time, including getting to plant Queen City together. And um, I want to honor you guys because I've seen your life up close, um, the good and the bad, and a lot of just normal days. A lot of normal days when your kids are crazy and life's busy and and all of those things. And I want to honor you for this because you always make Jesus first in your life and in your family. Um, And you always point me to Jesus. And so I want to honor you for that. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for um, always believing in me and consistently believing in me. And um, I love you dearly with all my heart. So can you honor them this morning? Not going to cry. Well, when Pastor Brian told me that he wanted me to speak during this series... He actually gave me the option to choose which value that I wanted to speak on. And so I got to turn in my depth chart of values that I wanted to speak on. And this was actually my number one value that I wanted to speak on. And the reason why is because it is the hardest one for me. I don't know what that says about my personality, but I'm in counseling. Um, (laughs) But but joy is our choice. It has always been the hardest value for me. And the reason why is that personality-wise, like I tend to be someone who's pretty like results-oriented, like achievement-oriented, someone who values like the end result, maybe over the process. I can tend to be a little bit controlling, Um, or anxious. And so one of my favorite questions actually to ask people, which this is for people that know Jesus, and if you don't, it's totally cool. We're glad you're here. But one of my favorite questions to ask people that know Jesus is, what movie character or TV show character do you think you would be if you didn't know Jesus or had never met Jesus? And my answer for that is... Sandra Bullock's character in The Proposal. Um, If you've never seen that movie, her name's Margaret Tate. She is a Canadian executive who learns that she may face deportation from the United States because of an issue with her visa. And so she convinces her assistant to temporarily marry her so that she can stay in the United States. And... um, I know that a lot of pastors, when they come up here to like 
share their life with you. They always show like a pretty picture of their family. But today I want to show you like a picture of like the internal what's inside of me if I did not know Jesus. Go ahead and put the picture up. There she is. That's like me if I don't know Jesus. If joy, like that is the opposite of joy. And that's really what's inside of me if I did not know Jesus. So the question is like, if we know what the opposite of joy is, which was that, what does joy mean? Like, what is the definition of joy? And we see a picture of joy in the life of Jesus. In his very first miracle, it was at a wedding, at a party. Um, he's, a, he's the kind of person that, like, got invited to parties. He's the kind of person that, like, stayed a long time. He's the kind of person that, like, turned water into wine at a party and not, like, the two-buck chuck kind of wine, but like the good kind of wine. Like he's the kind of person that, that was like a joy to be around. In John chapter 2, it says that that miraculous sign that happened in Cana was actually a picture of the glory of God. So what does glory mean? It is like a representation of what God is like. So what does that mean? Like the kind of God that we can serve and get to know is the kind of God who is like the happiest being alive, who is like joyful, who's a delight to be around, who's pleasant, who is like fun to be around, like the life of the party kind of person. And joy was also central to the teaching of Jesus. In John chapter 15, when he's talking about what it's like to be connected to him, he says this in verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So joy is central to who Jesus is and the teachings of Jesus. So what is the definition of joy? Um, Merriam-Webster defines joy as this, the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. So it defines it as an emotion. And um, I think that that's like, that's not a wrong definition of joy, obviously. Like joy is an emotion that we get to experience in our life. And it is a gift from God. It's like, it's that feeling that you have on your wedding day or, or after the birth of a child. It's that feeling where like, not just those big moments, but like everyday moments, like nature and a good cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? And like, we experience joy in everyday moments of our lives. But biblical joy, I believe it encompasses that, but it is also more than that. Like, it's not just an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. And um, I've been studying this for actually a few weeks now, and um, it's kind of hard to find, like, an accurate definition of joy. And so last Sunday, I heard um, about some happenings in Queen City Kids of the best kind, um, where, where, where um, the theologian Jordan Cromer was actually sharing his definition of joy. So I have invited him to come on stage today and share with us the definition of joy. So we give it up for him as he comes. <laughs> All right. So tell us the definition of joy. Joy is a feeling in my heart that God will always be with me. 
Give it up. Say it again. Joy is a feeling in my heart that God is always with me. Crushed it. Thank you, bud. So joy, it's so good. Joy is the feeling in my heart that God is always with me. And so I think that is the biblical definition of joy. It's not less than an emotion. Like it includes that, I think. But it's more than that. It's this like confidence deep in my heart that God is with me. And why, like because of that biblical definition of joy, we can experience that regardless of our emotion or regardless of our circumstance. In scripture, when you kind of look at where joy is used, you see different references like um, the wise men who saw the star and they, they were, it's, the Bible says they were filled with great joy. Was that an emotion? Yeah. But it was more than an emotion. It's like, God is with me. And God is at work in this place. It even, another place that you see it in Hebrews chapter 4, when it talks about Jesus, and it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Well, like, how can you have that kind of joy? Well, it's because it's the feeling in my heart that God is with me, that God is at work. It's not just an emotion. Um, And this is the kind of environment and place that we want to see for our church. When we say joy is our choice, we want this, this church and this place to be filled with, like, laughter, to be filled with life. Like, that has been one of the biggest things that we prayed for for our church since the beginning, since before it started, like, God, would you fill this place with life? Would the halls of this place be filled with, like, everything that God represents, that it would be, like, happy and delightful and pleasant, and that people would actually want to come to church, that, like, the hallways of our kids' ministry would be filled with laughter and fun, um, and that people can come in discouraged or hopeless but they can leave, not with necessarily a change in their circumstance, but with this feeling in their heart that, like, God is with me, and God is at work. And not only in this place, but that as a church that we can go out every single day and live on mission, be the kind of people who take that presence with us into our workplaces where it's like, no, God is with me. God's in this place. God is at work. Like, I have that feeling in my heart that God is always with me. And um, today we're actually, like I mentioned, we're going to look at how to live a life like that. Like, how do you actually accomplish that? And that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time in Philippians chapter 4. But the book is known, the book of Philippians is made up of 144 verses, and 16 of them actually mention joy. And it's actually like one of the happiest books in the Bible. It is like, it, it, the theme throughout it is joy. And we actually did a series on this during the pandemic, which was like very timely, um, called Can't Still My Joy. And so if you want to study deeper on that or you want to you want a resource to look into, that's a great resource that you can check out. Um, but this book was actually written by Paul, not when he was like, on a beach island vacation, but while he was in prison. So he's, he's speaking these words about joy while he's awaiting trial. 
So he, he's not speaking them from an easy place in his life, but when circumstances are hard. And he says this, starting in uh, verse number four, it says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So Paul teaches us that joy is not cheap, but it's often found in the dark places and deep valleys of life where you can't control what's happening to you. Um, Dr. Skip Heitzig said this, spiritual maturity can be measured by what it takes to steal your joy. And um, today, as I was praying about this message, and just spoiler alert, I'm going to share like passages of scripture with you that are like some of the most well-known and common in in the entire Bible. Um, But as I was praying about this and kind of like what God wanted to say today, I, I wanted, I have like a burden on my heart and I'm going to take a hard right turn to kind of explain to you what it is, but um, I promise it'll make sense in just a second. Okay. So I want you to help me with this by finishing this sentence. Okay. Everything is bigger in Texas, my people. Um, if you did not know, I, my family lives in Texas. Um, I'm from that area and um, there is actually In Amarillo, Texas, which is in West Texas, where there's absolutely nothing but flat land and like tumbleweed for real, um, there is actually a restaurant, and I believe that I've been here before. I need to fact check that with my parents, but it's called the Big Texan Steak Ranch. Let's go. (laughs) And um, at this restaurant, they have something called the 72-ounce Steak Challenge. Um, So the rules are that you must eat a 72-ounce steak, a baked potato, salad, a roll, and get this shrimp cocktail, not sure why, Um, within one hour. If you do, your meal is free. There's the steak. It's insane. (laughs) Let me ask this. How many of you would actually attempt to do that? Anybody? Okay, okay. There we go. Um, All right, well, let me ask you this. It, It has been around, this challenge has been around since 1960. What percentage of people do you think have actually completed this challenge? Five, two, five percent, zero? Eleven percent of people. Since 1960, guys, 11% of people, when I heard that, I guess like 25, but anyways, 11% of people have actually completed this challenge, okay? On the other hand, let's take the Ironman triathlon, okay? Quite the opposite. This is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and a marathon, 26.2 miles in less than 17 hours. What percentage of people do you think finish the Ironman? Anybody want to guess? 1, 10, 50? 95% of people finish. It's pretty incredible. So what's the difference between the 72-ounce steak 
that some guy was just driving along the road and was like, I can do that. <laughs> like, what's the difference between that and 95% of people finishing the Ironman? The difference is training. One person just stumbled upon that challenge and decided to do it. And, and not a large percentage of people actually pass that challenge. But then on the other hand, it's, it's like another extremely grueling years of preparation, practice all day, devotion of your life to something, and 95% of people pass. And when I was preparing for this, my burden for this message, or what really I felt like God spoke to me was like, a lot of times we can approach joy like this. It's like we, we're just going about our life and we hit something and we're not prepared for it. So yeah, can, can God supernaturally bring joy to our lives? Absolutely. But we can also be people that practice joy. Like we are the kind of people that no matter what circumstance comes our way, no matter how hard or grueling it is, we can do it. Like, we're prepared to accomplish that. And so, again, we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, but today I want to talk about it and look at it from the perspective of what would it look like to actually train in these things or practice these things to become people of joy, not just in a moment, but in, in the best times of life, in the hardest times of life, and a lot of days in between, okay? So let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. It says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Again, verse 9, he says, keep putting into practice. So he's encouraging us to do these things as well. And so here are the practices of choosing joy. Number one, practice releasing anxiety and choosing to pray. Practice releasing anxiety and choosing to pray. So there's two parts to that first verse. Again, so simple. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So to say, like, don't be anxious about anything in our culture feels like saying, like, don't think about a pink elephant right now. It's like, that's the first thing that you do, right? It's so common. It's such a huge part of, like, our culture and society right now. Um, And in this text, the Greek word translated anxious means to be pulled in different directions. So the old English root um, from which we get the word worry is actually, it's like to strangle. And so when we think about anxiety or worry, that's what it feels like. It like strangles us. To be anxious, it's like to be pulled in opposite directions. Our hopes pull us in one direction, and our fears pull us in the opposite direction. We're strangled. It's like 
I've had this conversation so many times with people who are like, I know this about God, but it's not my experience. Like, I know God is good, but what if this happens? Like, I know God's going to provide for me, but like, what if I don't get this job? I know God is good, but what if something happens to my kids? It's like we, we go back and forth and back and forth, and we live our lives by this like, what if question, and it's like, it strangles the life out of us. And I know that anxiety, I don't want to speak about it with like simple terms. I am not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor. So I'm speaking of it from the direction of God's word. I know it can be like induced by trauma and so many different things. And so I don't want to minimize that. But I am convinced that so much of what anxiety is, is related to control. It's like, I'm trying to control like a circumstance or a person or something happening in my life. And the truth is, it's just an illusion because we can't. Like, we cannot control those situations. They're simply out of our control. So releasing anxiety means releasing control. And again, you know, this is a practice, right? It's not a one-time, like, okay, God, in worship, I, like, gave you that thing. Not in my life. (laughs) It's like a choice over and over and over again. Like releasing anxiety. It's like, I release control to the point that we could get where if that worst thing in our mind happens, I'm okay. Because I have life with God. I'll be okay. So like, what if that thing happens? I think releasing Anxiety or control means, what if it does? But being okay with that, being settled in your soul and having peace in your heart that like, God's with me and everything's going to be okay. The thing is, it takes a lot of mental energy to be anxious. And what's so cool is that Paul here gives us instruction of something to do instead with that energy. So if we release that anxiety and control, he gives us something else to do. Again, verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Here's how he tells us to pray. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So to become a person who chooses joy is a person who practices prayer. And again, so simple. Two types of prayer mentioned in this text. First is this, supplication which just simply means to tell God what you need. It's an earnest, like, from our heart, sharing with God, God, this is what I need. Be real. Like, be specific about what you need. Ask God for it. If it's big enough to be on your mind, it's big enough to pray about. So, like, ask God for whatever you need. And then the second part is this, gratitude. Thank you. Thank him for all he has done. It may be massive things. It may be simple things. Just constantly, God, thank you. Thank you. This year for me, again, this is not like my normal flow. This is not by nature how I'm wired. So this year, starting at the beginning of this year, I started a gratitude journal. And it's just every morning I think about the day before and I write down one thing. God, I'm thankful for this. Or 
or really like, this is where I saw you in my life yesterday. Thank you. It may be big things. It may be like, the leaves were beautiful. It was awesome. You know, it's, it's just a heart of gratitude no matter what it is. And the promise comes in verse 7. And this is, again, it's a promise that we need in our lives. It says this, then you will experience, if you put these things into practice, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Um, again, not trying to minimize any of this or, or say that it's easy, but I know for my own life, and again, this is not me. I'm not trying to be the hero of the story here. I'm just telling you a testimony of how this has changed my life. I am someone who has struggled so much with anxiety, and I've shared about that some before. But for the past, like, two years, it's, it's been something that I've been processing through with God. And enough where it was like I was waking up every single night, could not sleep, woke up at the same time every night, just racing thoughts in my mind, what if, what if, what if, over and over again. And again, it, it had to do with fear. It had to do with things of like, what if this worst thing happened in my life? Like, what would I do? And um, I stand here today to tell you, like, I am, I am, I still experience that, but I am less of an anxious person. Again, it's just that practice every single day. God, I'm going to release control of this to you, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell you what I need, and I'm going to thank you. And then I'm going to expect to experience the promise of your peace in my life. It's that simple. Again, not easy. The second thing is this, uh, to practice right thinking. To practice right thinking. In verse 8, he says this, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So Paul tells us to fix our thoughts. Why? Um, It's pretty well known that you cannot change your emotions. You can shut them down. Um, You can ignore them. But it's it's hard to change your emotion. It's not like flip. Off the sad switch, flip on the happy switch. Flip off the stress switch, flip on the like peaceful switch. Like, if you know how to do that, send me the Amazon link because, like, it just does not work like that for me. Um, But there is this general rule in life that our feelings follow our thinking. We cannot control our feelings, but we can control what we think about. So I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to think about how much work you have to do tomorrow. I want you to think about the pile of dirty laundry you left this morning. I want you to think about how stressful it is to shop for groceries at Kroger on Sunday afternoons. How horrible your boss is. Your haters. The critical things people have said about you that person that irritates you the most at work, how much you don't have compared to someone else. So what do you feel right now? Probably anger, (laughs) discouragement, like disappointment potentially, frustration. Now, I want you to think about your favorite vacation spot, your favorite season, hopefully it's fall being in nature, 
whatever your happy place is. I want you to think about the people that you love and the people you love to be around. Think about good food. Think about God and how good he is, how loving, how kind, how beautiful he is. Open your eyes. What do you feel now? You feel joy. You feel gratitude. You feel peace in your heart. Again, in the past minute, we've illustrated this concept of like why, tell, why Paul tells us to practice right thinking. When we begin to think about the right things, it shifts our life. And we just experience that. So again, it is a practice that we can put into place every single day. We may not have control over our emotions, but we have control over our mind, our thought life, what we set our attention on, what we give our mental real estate to. We do have control over that. And um, I want to I, I close today just talking about like what, what the promise of this is. Like if we really buy into this, this practice of like joy is our choice. Like to practice releasing anxiety and control. To become a person who prays. To become a person that like fixes our thoughts on the right things. What happens? And later on in chapter 4, I believe, at the end, we see the result of what happens in Paul's life when he has lived this way for a long time. He says one of the most well-known but taken out of context verses in scripture, Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And um, I think a lot of times we see this verse or it's used as just like this verse we like slap on hard things in our life or hard situations. Like I didn't study for this test at all, but slap it on like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? But that's not what this verse actually means. And the verses, if you look around it, starting in verse 11, it says this, not that I was ever in need, again, for I have learned, meaning you can learn this. You put these things into practice that that he just talked about in the verses before, and you choose it and you practice it every day, maybe once a week, maybe 10 times a day if you're in a hard season. But I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now he says it, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even in prison, even in hardship, even in the the lowest moments of his life. He said, I've had it all and I've had nothing. But you know the secret? I can do it because I have God. Joy. Is the feeling in my heart that God is always with me. So it doesn't matter. It could be the, the lowest season of your life right now. But guess what? You can have joy. You can be confident that God is always with you and begin to practice those things. And I feel like God gave me a picture 
Um, I feel like God speaks to me a lot in pictures. That sounds really spiritual, but it's not. It's just like how I learn. Um, And I feel like God gave me this picture. You can go ahead and put that slide up, Dan. But this is what I feel like that looks like, what Paul's describing in those verses. And the yellow line up there, it's like our level of joy. And we have control over our level of joy, right? Putting these practices into our lives every single day. Over time, that joy is going to continue to increase. Not just in hard moments, but it's like we can become a person of joy. Where it's like, it's just a pleasure to be around us because we've practiced these things over and over again. And then our life circumstances, we have no control over them, right? Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're, they're really hard. But again, I believe at some point in our lives, like our circumstances won't matter. It's what Paul says, I've had plenty and I have nothing. It doesn't matter. Like my joy will supersede that. My joy is above that. I have God. I have everything that I need. Church, this is who we are. This is what it means when we say joy is our choice. You can bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to have just a moment of response. And I'd love for you to just take an opportunity here today and, and just process, like, what is God saying to you today? And, um, In a moment, I want to pray for some of you in this room who've been on my heart this week, and you're in a difficult situation, and you're struggling to find joy. But before I do that, I believe that there are some of you in this room who don't know joy because you don't know Jesus. And before we go any further, I want to give you the opportunity to get right with God today. And it might be for the first time in your life you walked in today, and and you've never known God, and, and you want to meet Jesus today. Or maybe you have in the past, but today you feel far from God and you need a fresh start. And I want you to know that we're not going to point you out. We're not going to embarrass you. But I just simply want to lead you in a prayer. And the Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart, and you speak with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So today I'd love to lead you in that simple prayer. And if you want to be included in that prayer... So today you want to meet Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to him. I want you, without hesitation, to raise your hand on the count of three. And again, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer today. One, two, three. Yeah, I see hands. So proud of you for having the courage to do that. So I want you to pray something like this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to live my life without you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And today, God, I invite you into my life. I surrender everything to you. And today, God, I receive your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together for the people that made that commitment to follow Jesus today? If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.